All right, ready for the word? Yes, you sure about that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination that as we study, we, hack, we catch your heartbeat. We give us wisdom, you give us experience, you give us knowledge in your light, in the name of Jesus. And we say every soul is glorified, every soul is edified as your name alone is glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Like I said, I don't know what the title is. We'll figure out um, the title as we go. One thing I want you to understand about ministry, and that's one of the things we just started talking about just now, is that ministry is experience. And you gain a lot from experience. I am a preacher today because of over 15, 16 years of experience. And I'm still trusting God for more experience. So ministry is experience. And, and that's that, just like what I was just saying earlier before we prayed, and I just said, many of you still have to taste certain things so that you can gain the experience. I'm able to train you today as a preacher or as a pastor on almost everything in the church. Almost, not even almost. All things in this church because of the experience I have had. I remember there was a time when me and Favor, we used to wash her in one church where we used anointing oil to wash our hand first before we count money. People will remember. They will tell you that before you count the money of this ministry, first use oil. You first oil. Like say, like say they are covenanting you and the money together. If you dare steal it, <laughs> are you getting what they will first? They, they, if you touch the money, they will do like this way. Oh, you had. So you first, you pour oh, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you now start counting the money. <laughs> so ministry is experience, and you gain experience from an experience. And many a times in the work of the ministry, I'm teaching you about ministry in this series. And I mean practical ministry. Practical work of the ministry, which you should know. Because you are born again and you are to understand this truth. And if you look at it in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, this is not my anchor text. My anchor text is still Matthew 28 and we are still going to get to it. Look at it in 1 Timothy 4.12. And I, I, I really like Timothy. I, I try to, I'm trying and I, for years I've been doing something and I've been trying to pay attention to the writings of Timothy. You know why? Because Timothy was Paul's choice son. Like the son that mattered the most to Timothy. So that means there will be a kind of a bias that Paul would have used to write to Timothy in his writing. I remember some years ago, I read it. Interestingly, it, it, it was with this Bible. And I read the book of Timothy, studied it months, and I colored. In fact, if you check my Bible today, the only colored part in my Bible is Timothy. Because as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher of the gospel, you must, you must learn those vital truths in that scripture. Uh, where is Timothy in my own Bible? It seems like it has raptured. Alright, look. So, you see... So you see that ministry, like I said, is experience. It's experience. You can't say you will do ministry if you don't have the experience. Look at the first Timothy 4 12. It says, Let no man despise that you. And I says, But be thou an example of the believer. So that means a man who is born again must be an example. Say, I'm an example. You're not saying it like you mean it. You are an example. 
What is discipleship? This thing we say, oh, I'm a disciple, I'm a disciple. Discipleship is in one word, and that word is example. That means the experience you are learning. And see, there is no someone I've taught that is not reteachable. No one. And it is very intentional. I am very intentional about how I teach. Because I want it to be reteachable. I want you to be able to use it to reteach. That is why it seems like I'm almost 100%. Almost. I don't used to do this. Many of you know me years ago. I will come and I can teach almost two hours, three hours with no book. And I just know what I'm saying. But I figured as years continued, just started going. And I figured that that would not produce good results. So now, I'm almost 100% scripted. Even though I know what I want to say, even though I can teach often. You know, I, I, I used to say something. I used to say, what if I forget my note at home? Will I say, meeting cancelled? It's just like when we started following word series. You know, I didn't bring a note. I just told you bring my phone because I put some highlights there. It was now in, and I was able to teach you for, for almost eight hours without a note. That's because I know what I'm saying. It's just because of the highlights I put on my notes. And that was what helped me. So that means you must not just also know the gospel. You must be able to explain it. Watch in, in ministry, you must see. When I'm, when, when I'm, when, if I'm the one in your shoes, seated, eh, I'll be paying attention to something as the pastor is preaching. In as much as I'm learning, yes. I'll pay attention to his progression. Why does he use examples this way? Why is he joking now? Do you know that? There's something that they call in. I, I took some, I, in, in some years ago, I, I did some Bible, all these theological things and all of those things. And there's something called homiletics, such that you can easily gauge your audience and you can know, okay, everybody is quite disconnected and you can throw a joke and continue. In mission is possible. How many of you observed that during the eight hours teaching, I did it a lot. When I just said that everybody is just, I'll just throw something, all of you will just laugh and I'll just continue teaching. How many of you observed that a lot? Especially when everybody is really sleeping. That is a skill and that's because I've been doing it for years. So, you now, you will not just be sitting there and just be saying, let me just be taking note. That's not what you should do in a service. Because know something, your note, you are going to use it to teach someday. If you go to my house today, I can give you notes that I've written years and years and years, and I still go back to it sometimes. I pack the interestingly, I can't throw the, I, I can't, those are not notes you trash. Notes of teachings, notes of studies, notes of, you know, things you've learned from preachers. And those things are, are like a guiding tools today. For you, and I'm saying it because you are in Supernatural Community Church. In, in this church, I am not trying to, and I say it almost every time, and I'm still saying it again. We are not trying to just have regular members. Every member must be very serious with the gospel. That is the mission. And I say it this way. Imagine the disciples of Jesus did not learn well. Hope you know we are going to suffer it today. Hope you know there will be no Matthew, no Mark, no Luke, no John. You know, when they were, Jesus was teaching them, they never knew they would write a book. Hope you know they never knew. Oh, Matthew will never have known he would write a book. Peter will never have known he would write a book. But those things they've learned were now their tools. So discipleship is an example. You watch. 
Look at all of you that are writing our materials now. You know, I don't write it. The only one I wrote now, recently now, which I haven't done in a long time, is what happened in Art 2. And I intentionally wrote that one because I wanted to... It was, it was an apologia for me. It was like a defense. I wanted to defend the things of the Spirit more properly. Other materials, all of you wrote it. Those of you here, those of you not here, all of you wrote it. And how were you able to write? I was able to train you on how to write. I taught you how to write. How to explain the gospel in written form. How to take a message, explain it, and compile it in written form. Such that when, it is, when people read it, they are reading it as this is a writing. That some, it, it will take a while for somebody to know that this is a transcription from an audio material. I don't know if you get it. That is called training. And that is an example. And it's because of the skills I have. I am trying to, in the natural, I, I, I can try my best in writing. It's not as if I'm good. Or Jeppe said, I used to be very good before, but I mean, distractions of this world. <laughs> distractions don't take my heart. <laughs> I was thinking, I used to be very good with those things, script writing, story, poetry. I used to, but me, I just turned everything to gospel right now. Like, <laughs> All those things, those things are not the ones taking me to heaven now. <laughs> you know, but I'm able to now change and say, and now many of you can now write, and you can look at the gospel today and say, okay, this is how to communicate it properly. That is being, that is experience. So you must know, so when you're in service like this, as you are seated, it's Sunday service, it's Tuesday service, Bible seminar, hope you know you are going to do it someday. I'm not telling you so that I'll be the one doing it. I would to God that on a Saturday like this, I'm teaching. You two, you are somewhere in another city. Or you are somewhere in another city. Having your own congregation and teaching them. Stand, standing five hours, six hours, teaching. I would to God and it's going to happen. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's my desire. And it's not just my desire. It's the desire from the scriptures. I, I, I don't know if I'm making sense. So that means discipleship or ministry on itself is exam. So that is why. And look at look at why why it seems like I'm always I'm not against churches, and I don't want you to think I'm against churches. I'm a product of churches too. I can't be against it. I have a church, so we can't be against churches in the world. But I'm a proponent against. I'm 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 more of. If churches can just sit down and do their job well, a lot of churches are focused on the wrong things. A lot of churches are focused on lightning. A lot of churches are focused on let people just come. We want the world to come, honestly. And as, you, as we progress in this study, you understand it. But what are they learning there? Three years, Jesus was training people. He wasn't joking. Do you notice that it has been like that from the beginning? Abraham trained the son, Jacob. Jacob continued the promise into Isaac. Go and listen to the course of the course that I taught in 2021. He continued it. It was like a transgenerational thing. Why do you think Elisha will follow Elijah? What do you think they were doing? What do you think Eli was? What do you think was the sin of Eli? Do you know the problem of Eli? It's not him that foreseen though. It was the children that sinned and he could not correct his children. That was all. And you know that Samuel almost repeated the same mistake. That has been. Who is a king? Who is a, 
who is a king in the in the in in in, in the scripture today? A king is a teacher of the law. That has been their responsibility to train God's people. So look at it. If Moses did not teach or train, there will be no Joshua. There will be no Caleb. There will be nobody to continue that work. So now I ask churches and I say, maybe pastors who are just doing things, I say, okay. Do you know? And I tell them, I said, do you know that? And I, and I, I was saying something some years ago and I said, one of the people that drove me into 100% study is in your day, and I, and I will say it to, to tomorrow. When I first met in your day then, I mean, she came from a Muslim background, so it's obvious that she will have a lot of questions. Your day is to write questions in number one A, number one B, C, D, there are two, A, B, C, D, three, E, F, G, R. I'm like, I still have them. I still have them. Because I, those things, you don't throw them away. And I, all I just told, in fact, I could not answer 80% of those questions. I could not. I won't lie to you and say I, I did. I just could answer a little bit. But you know, somebody that looks up to you and say, answer my question, you are telling the person, follow you to church. You have to be able to, to sit yourself up and say, well, I've got to study. And that drove me into complete. I told myself, I'm going to take my Bible seriously. Because I don't want to be a preacher that audience, you'll be in a church and you are looking for your answer on Google. Because that is, Google is just an invention of what somebody just put there. His own thoughts, his everything. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I have to do my own due diligence. And I told myself, I'm going to sit myself down. I'm going to have to study. And as the day started going by, I told her, this is the answer to that question you asked years ago. This is the question to that answer you asked years ago. And gradually, have I been able to answer some of those your questions? Ah, thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? And that's the year's progress. I met her, I mean, since, uh, what, year, what year was that? Maybe 2016, 2017, like that. This is almost seven years ago. And that drove me into complete Bible. I mean, do I know the Bible before then? I did, but I, you know, it's like saying you have not been challenged like that before. And that's why a lot of preachers are not serious in our today's world. Because there's nobody challenging them. And it's based on the kind of information that they are also passing. If all you are hearing on a Sunday morning is acquire to desire, to retire to refire, and to go to air fire, you can't ask questions. Do you know? Man, don't forget I told you in, in Camden that man is a product of influence. You will ask questions because they've already confined your knowledge into a space. But do you know that with the kind of way I'm teaching you now, you are going to have a million and one questions. And that will drive me into more study, into more searching the scripture more. I mean, I'm not those that official that I must answer every question. If I don't know, I'll tell you, sorry, give me time. <laughs> I will do more work. That's my, that's my job forever. That's the work of a preacher. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when you are seated like this, I want you to have one mindset. I'm learning for myself and I'm learning for the lives of others. Say that. Say, I'm learning for myself and I'm learning for the lives of others. Have that mindset. When I'm going for a meeting, I'm going with the whole of me. What's the whole of me? Supernatural Community Church, North America, all that I represent. 
there is no meeting I go for that my entire ministry is not touched. In fact, when hands are being laid on me, I say, God, this hand that is laid on me, you are laying it on all my entire members. And I take my work seriously. Because I mean, we are going to give accounts. So, you must learn from that. Now, look at in Mark 3.14. Look at Mark 3.14. Look at what Jesus said in Mark 3.14. Let me show you that. I said this. I, 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 if you have listened to Jesus and his disciples, I said this there. Look at Mark 3.14. Let's go there. So, even if you get married, even if you... Which I know many of you will get married very soon, amen. And those that are married. Your marriage is now an example too. Why are you a nurse? Why are you a doctor? Why are you an engineer? Why are you a, a business person? Why are you a social media content creator? You are in that space because you are now also an example to other believers. There was something that me and Shabaka were listening to as we were coming this morning. And... She was a, a particular messenger was saying, You are a light even to your generation. You are even, no matter the field you are in, you are a light. And I said, That's a good statement, but it should make us see that there is an example to it. So why would I conduct myself on social media well? I'm an example. I had to restrict the way I, some of you, many of you did not meet me at that point in the earlier years of when WhatsApp started. I used to do a lot of Bible SCGSs on my WhatsApp. Now I don't have that time. If you want to learn Bible, South Cloud is there. <laughs> so I will speak my WhatsApp like, on, like almost 50. I'll be writing posts. One, read on. It's a long post. Continue reading. One, two, three. So you will scroll up. You read it, read it, read it. Now I'll just put it. I'll just send it. I'll just put the message of my status. I don't have time. Because I found out that those things are not effective. I hear people just be outside and say, wow. They will give you an emoji of clap. <laughs> Did they really learn something? I've been experienced for a while. It's a lie. They are just excited. And I found out that some people just want you to say something that will tickle their fantasies. They've been thinking about that thing for long. They just want you to say it so you just give them endorsement. So you just have to, and that type of things are very dangerous. So I just restrain from those things. So you are now an example. Why would you not come late to church? Why would you pick your disciple? And even in picking your disciple, you will not come late to church. Because you are an example. I remember some years ago, I used to preach in three churches. Three. No, not three churches. I used to have three services. Some of you remember those days. Favor of you, I will remember those days. They used to follow me then. I will first go to one church to preach. That was, I think, a 7 a.m. service. Is it 7 a.m.? 7 a.m. or 8 a.m.? No, it's 8.30 a.m. 8.30 a.m. to about 9.30-ish or 10. They will not go. Because service day, the second service then was 11. No, the second service is at, is at 11. So we will leave that place about 10, 30, 10, 40-ish. Then we'll be going to the second service at 11. I will try as possible well not to be late for the second service. Because if I go late, I'm, most like, I'm the person that started that service at 11. Many at times, with opening prayer. Then we now have another service at, is it 4 or 6 p.m.? Is it 4 p.m.? 
we now have another service at 4 p.m. in one Sunday. That, that means I will have to teach three different services, three different sermons in one day. So when you see me do, when you see me do 11 sessions in Cambridge today, it's not, it's, it's the least. At least I'm not doing eight hours. It's even very stress-free. It's not eight hours the whole day. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And that is experience. And you must be able to give yourself to learn those experiences. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making sense. Okay. Look at what it says in Mark 3, 14. Look at something. He said, he ordained 12 that they should what? They should be with him. That was first emphasis. So the first responsibility of the 12 disciples was what, they should, what should they do? They should first be with him. So what is be with him? Do you know that be with him will just mean just be observing me? Just watch how I'm doing things. I, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Be with me will just be seeing, looking at Jesus, I used to pray. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Be with you will just be, ah. Do you know that? Elisha, they called Elisha Elijah's servant. What's that? It means he's, he's always pouring water and washing. He's like an apprentice. Let me tell you what discipleship is. Like an apprentice. Like you are, in, you are an intern trying to learn a job. You know, many a times, how many of you have had to do, I can tell you a favor story, but I don't know of any other person. Favor once learned year dressing. And the only thing they are doing in the hairdressing is, many a times, the first thing they will first tell you to do is, just be looking. I remember I've been to, uh, or I've worked in an internship like that before, and the only thing they, they are telling you is, just watch what is going on first. I think there was, I think there was one, um, I did a construction work some years ago. Ah, that, that must be the job I hated the most in my life. <laughs> I, that, I, I hate that experience. And one of the first things they told us to do is just watch what's going on for now. Just be looking at, just be following us around and be seeing what's going on. So from there, I was able to see, oh, okay, so a whole lot goes into a building being raised up. I feel like, I, I thank God I need that experience. I thank God I have had that experience now. So we want to build tomorrow, which we will, and we trust God that one day we're going to have a camp. Uh, that's, what, that's my biggest heart desire. That in the United States or in New York here, we have a very big camp where people can travel all over the world for. There will be hostels there, there will be restaurants, there will be church. That's, that's my desire and it's going to come to pass. But I was able to watch. One, one thing that that experience taught me was I was just able to watch. Oh, wow. So it's not just bring the cement, bring everything. There's more to those things than... There's even, in fact, there's even sitting down. And having to talk with the architecture and see, okay, how do we go with this plan? So now I know in my mind, before we, when we buy a land, the first thing we have to do is first get an architectural design. One of the first things we'll do. That, that will, before you first start say, let's dig or something. Let's first see. We'll get a surveyor to survey the land. I remember I bought one land some years ago and I was scammed of the land. But one of the first things I did, I bought the land, very legit land, this and that. But the first thing they did, I first got a surveyor to survey the land. Is it before I even bought it? Was the land a good land? Then I paid money. I heard this thing coming. 
And what they learned, and the surveyors surveyed it and said, okay, this is good, this is ripe for this, 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 this that I wanted to do with the land before, and I said I can go ahead. Then I bought it, and my next work was to at least get in touch with people who would help me. I didn't even know before I bought the land. It's after I bought the land, I, said, I, I did this um, construction work. And in my own head, I was like, let's just face it and buy gates. <laughs> but that was not the... And I found out that when I was in that culture, I found out that the first thing you should first even sit down to do is still first get even an architect. First get somebody that can help you do another pegging and so many things with the land first. Before the next thing, you just buy fence and do everything. Because what if that place you are putting fence on is somewhere the architectural architect wants to, even though they put the land, but the architect has already designed something for that aspect. So I was like, oh, I never knew. So I was just watching. So you must have experience. Does that make sense? So what Jesus taught them to do? So what was what was the twelve disciples doing? In as much as Jesus was teaching them, Jesus was teaching them the scriptures. Jesus was explaining to them. They were also learning from Jesus. They were just being with him. You know, the, look at something that really shook me. The twelve disciples did something, and it's very key. They healed the sick. They done so many things. And guess what? You know that five thousand loaves of bread and two, that five loaves of bread and three fishes. You know, if Jesus has said, "Brethren, bring five, bring something. Let me multiply it." Um, you know that there will be no scarcity. If he had mentioned, "Let me multiply it," everybody will have brought out different things that they had. But a young boy just brought something out, and that young boy is an example of giving today. And he just gave it all without knowing that Jesus will multiply. You know, just watching from that experience, the disciples will learn and say, wow. Mm. Look at it, an example of generosity. And guess who, who, guess what now happened? Jesus' disciples that were forming MOG assistant pastors. ASP, assistant pastors. What did they do? They were the ones that were now serving the bread and fish. I thought they should be ushers. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. I thought they were supposed to be feeding department. Twelve people served the entire 5,000. And you know they said beside women. And you know in a general world, women are more than men. Especially in church services. I mean, look at here. <laughs> Are you gonna, no, it's, it's just go and watch. It's the statistics of a general world church. So just know, you know, they count 10 men, and that's because it's a patriarchic system and all of those 5,000 men. They now say beside women. So just know, women will double that number. So let's say about, let's say about 10,000. I said they say beside women and children. So let's say about 10,000 people, the disciples. Two of people. So you see the kind of work they did. Two people. And you know, Jesus says, sit down. So two people had to go around serving the food. You know, that's being with Jesus. That's apprenticeship. That's not, ah, pastor. Why should I, why should I, why should I wash toilet? I mean, I have seen the move of God. I sang, I sang in Cambridge and the word told me that I, I can... The old disciples were already healing the sickle. 
But that's being with Jesus. You now see the experience that now happened in Acts 6. Look at Peter. He said, we will not leave the word of God and serve table. That's experience. Experience. I, 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 if you are following this, well, let me see your hands. So, be very observant. Okay, why the pastor did the service this way? You don't have to ask me. Just be watching. Many of you, you only just you just be talking, 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 talk. You don't just watch. Why is he teaching this way? Why is it that his first progression is this way? Don't be observing it. When you listen to a message, why is it that the first thing is Second Timothy three fifteen? Why did I use it? You don't be observant. Just watch the progression. Does that make sense? So he says they call them to be with him. So in the training of ministry, there is the practical that you must see. You know, it's like, I remember prayer. For years, I never taught the Greek word of prayer. In fact, I have still not really taught it. Except when we did a series of supplication. In fact, we've never had a series. The only series we had on prayer was stability in prayer. And I found out that, in fact, when I did that series, I just felt, ah, when I was reaching the 11th track, because it was 12th track, if you remember, I said, ah, this is not effective. How are you training people to pray and they are not praying? So I told myself, stability prayer track 12. You know, that's the, people don't, people don't know what track 1 and track 11 is today. You know, some people don't even know that there's, there's track 1 and 11 that exist. But you cannot hear track 12 and not pray. In fact, there was somebody that called me as early as 7 a.m. This was a couple of years ago. I said, ah, why? You did not sleep. Why are you calling me this early? He said, ah, you said in that message. He said, I, it's the, the mistake I made was to go and play the message before I slept. He said, I wanted to sleep around 12 or 1 a.m. He said, and, and I said, I should listen. He said, you said in the message that if we sleep, something will happen to you. And I wonder, did I say that in the message? But the whole essence of that thing is that you must have pray. You can't teach prayer and people will not pray. I hate, see, let me tell you, my, my introduction, the way I was trained on prayer is such that when you have done, your next thing is to go and set yourself aside and pray. Look at the mission as well, we said praying like Jesus. And what did we do? We acted on the scripture. You know, for years, I never thought, oh, so this is how I, I did not teach you. This is the Greek word. This is the Hebrew word. We will learn, we will learn it later. I, I know it all. I can tell you this is prosikomoi. I homer. I can tell you everything around prayer. But after telling you, will you pray? By the time, I'm, by the time I see that, okay, we have gotten to a point in church where, okay, our prayer lives are, I can start saying, okay, so the Greek word is Jesus. I think I did it in supplication and prayer. Why did I do this? I saw that, okay, we are getting somewhere. I didn't get to what I'm saying. But my only introduction to prayer is just to shout. And by the time I'm done, there will be a well of prayer welling up and springing forth from within. Does that make sense? That is also experience. I learned that too. I learned that you can't teach prayer and people will not pray. 
the whole essence of making people pray. That's why when we wanted to release that material, let us pray, I gave my friend, I said, if this material does not make you pray, we are not going to release this out. I said, critique it for us. We will not release, we will probably go and work on it. And those of you that wrote that material, I told you, I said, you must write the material in such a way that when people pick it, they are going to pray. Because it's not, we are not trying to excite them in prayer teaching. No, 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 no. By the time they are done, or before they are done, they must. And my friend gave back to God, I said, I gave some two, three friends, and they said, this is enough steering to pray. I said, okay, thank God, now we can release this. Does that make sense? So, it's experience. So, the gospel, so that shows that you now know how, when you have somebody today that you are teaching, or that you are raising, bringing up in the Lord, your own is not to excite them on the information about prayer. It won't do enough. My first introduction of teaching prayer is Elijah, a man like you and I. Some of you remember many years ago, Elijah, a man like my passion, like you and I. He prayed earnestly that rain will not fall. So let's pray. So, oh yeah, let's start. My work is not to excite you on the... When it comes to prayer, my work... That's why if you notice the way I teach gifts of the Spirit, I try to do practical and information. So I will not just tell you, this is how word of knowledge is. I will also demonstrate it for you how to do it. I you have followed me for years and see that that's how I always teach gifts of the Spirit. There must be a practical and... I do practical and teaching together. I don't like... I don't like to just teach you and just excite you with the information. I say, this word of knowledge, telling people about their past and future. I want to show you that this is how it's done. And this is how to do it. So that when you two stand in front of people tomorrow, you will not just say, word of knowledge is this. You two can also say, this. And how did I learn it? I went somewhere, 2015, I will never forget it. And that was how they taught us the gifts of the street. And that's what helped me to tomorrow. And I stayed with that practice. Including healing. Some of you in healing camp, in summer healing campaign, we did that practical where we said, if you have a pain in your body, check it now. And we just lay hands on you and immediately the pain left. I remember those things. Yeah. That is how to do it. And that's how, because that is how I learned it. So I expect that you will now know how to do it. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So what was Jesus doing with his disciples? So he was going about preaching and healing all manner of sickness and diseases. What was the disciples doing? They were watching him. So when he sent them out in Luke 10, gave them power to cast out unclean spirits, what were they doing? They were doing what they've seen him do. So you see that coming to church is just beyond, oh, I want to be blessed. It's also, I want to learn. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that was why the disciples could now train other disciples in that same pattern. I remember seeing it. The disciples could not train other disciples in that same pattern because of what they've seen Jesus do. Look at Elisha. He says, Oh God of Elijah. You know why? He could say those statements. He has probably watched Elijah, Elijah do some things. And he followed. Am I making sense to us? Okay. So the gospel is both a message and the ministry. So I expect that 
I mean, you won't even find any message, at least not now. The closest you will find is stability in prayer and it's not even in circulation where I did almost 12 tracks explaining prayer. The closest you will find after that one and stability in prayer is not even in circulation. I think the one that is in circulation the most is track 12. And that's why it's because I intentionally made that one in circulation because that one, you can't get stability in prayer track 12 and not pray. It's not possible. Ah, uh, it's not possible. It's not, oh, it's not possible. You are feeling weak to pray. Go and pick it up. He still has the same power. <laughs> and that one, you know, I, you know where, you know where I thought that one? When the pandemic, people were already backsliding. It was pandemic. And you know what I did immediately after that summer? What did I say? Those of you that were there, go and do, for the next three hours, right? Pick somebody and do what? And pray. That's it. It's not, it's, so it's just like, it's in teaching you can start doing, okay, the character of God. Start giving, oh, now there's no example to that one now. Even you that you are preaching, you are still trusting God for your own character. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? But in prayer, you show the example. Hey, hey. So when you, when you have people tomorrow and you are teaching them, when you want to teach on prayer, you make sure that it is so short, maybe you have one hour with them. You make sure that it's just wisdom. You make sure that this is so short, 20 minutes. The next 40 minutes we are praying. You know, that's what I did with many of you years ago. When I started teaching you prayer. Yeah. If I have two hours with you today, and I know that it's prayer, I calculate what I want to do. I'm, I'm very... That's why you see that all my teachings of prayers are very short. Because we want to use the remaining minutes to pray. Go and watch it. I don't have a two-hour sermon on prayer. I don't. <laughs> I don't have what, what I want to be saying. I don't have a two-hour sermon of prayer. I don't. The, every sermon I have a prayer, 40-something minutes, 50-something minutes. Close it. At most, 1 or 30 minutes. And that's, that must, even that 1 or 30 minutes, it must be supplication in prayer. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that's because supplication in prayer, I wanted to explain how you can take burdens and just pray through it. What supplication means, how to pressing in the place of prayer the more than just no, no. I wanted us to see much more and explore the power and the depths of prayer. So that shows that what will you do now if you have people? You will take that same example. You spend at least 20 minutes or 30 minutes. If you are spending, if you are even spending 20 minutes with them, maybe the only time they tell you to do follow-up with them is 20 minutes. Five minutes teaching. Oh yeah? Let's use the remaining 15 minutes to pray. You won't use the whole 20 minutes and say, so you pray at home, right? Oh! <laughs> you yourself know that if I told you that, you will not pray at home. Uh, no. That's why you hear the... Jesus took them to the mountain. What was he doing? He was training them. So after he left, go and watch the book of Acts. Look at how prayer was still going on. If he didn't train them, or if they didn't watch him pray. You know, in, in Mount Gethsemane, Peter, all of them were sleeping. Jesus kept waking them up. You know, the experience now, in the book of Acts, they can't sleep. Watch something. When Jesus was in the boat, and the sea was, and the storm were, were raging, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was sleeping, right? Do you notice that when Peter was also in the was also arrested, he was sleeping. 
He has learned to just stay calm in the midst of troubles just by watching Jesus. I mean, but look at Paul. Paul was praying. Paul and Silas was praying. Because he didn't see Jesus. Paul and Silas was praying that the whole place which is good to pray. But look at Peter. Peter just slept. He just felt like, ah, something will happen. It wasn't bothered. He slept so much that the angel had to slap him to wake up. Maybe if the angel had said, Peter, he would not have stood up. The Bible says the angel smote him. Smote. <laughs> but where did he learn it from? He has watched Jesus in the boat just slipping through the storm. And no issue. Are you getting what I'm saying? Being and observing. So, when you two will teach gifts of the Spirit, I expect that they will be practical. Because that's how I've been teaching it for years. There is no teaching on gifts of the Spirit that I will teach. That I will not... Even, in fact, I remember the one we did in 2020. I was, I was so... I was so... I was so engrossed in teaching the, the theory... We now created one session as a practical session. I don't know if you remember. We now did practical session. I will always, in the middle of the series, I will always have one practical session. So that you can see how it's being done. Okay, how to yield the sick. How to give word of knowledge. You can call names. Call places. Call. You can even call phone number. I call date of birth. There's nothing that cannot be reviewed. It's just as you keep growing... In the knowledge of the world, you just know that you are not trying to excite me. At this point, I have got into, I'm not trying to impress anybody with word of knowledge, word of wisdom. It's years ago, I used to, ah, eh, I must show you that God is speaking to me. <laughs> ah, I must show you. So if I'm done with you, I say, do you know that? I can tell you what you eat yesterday night. Say, hey. And you, you intentionally hold the mic loud so that people will know that God is using you. I beg. <laughs> As you keep growing, you just know that. The, the, why would I use the word of knowledge to get your attention first so I will not communicate the message so that's why you will hear me say I can call a name when the person come out I'll take the mic off and minister to the person it's not whatever I want to say is not your business I did not do it to excite but how many of you have seen me call name that the person that you did not even know the person be here before I think it happened in this camp meeting I called a name that even the person that brought the invited person was coming, not even know that the person bear the name. <laughs> I called the person, in fact, it was people that had to tell me that ah, that's the person's name. Oh. <laughs> even the person that invited the person said, ah, I'm just learning the person's name for the first time. What, what does that do? It's an attention getter. Then I was able to communicate. In fact, and I told the person something that the mother told the person. The person would not look at me like, ah, how did you know? I, I, I even wanted to proceed and tell the person the exact time the person said, I just felt, there's no point. You just know it for your own personal good. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is experience. Are you, are you following me this morning? Okay. So, the gospel is both a message and the ministry. And whatever lacks focus in the world can never grow. Whatever lacks focus in the world can never grow. There must be a certain kind of focus you must have towards the world. There must be. What is your focus? What are you focused on? 
as a believer. I can tell you, I'm focused on learning the gospel, growing, my spiritual growth, and focus on reaching more men, teaching more men, and seeing to it that lives are being changed. What's your focus? And the best question I ask people is, do you really believe? And I will ask you, do you really believe that if someone does not believe the gospel, he will perish? Do you honestly believe it? Let me see your hand if you do. Do you honestly believe it? Have you thought about it before that? Ah, if somebody does not really believe, see, let me tell you, I have let me tell you how much I've meditated on this thing. I meditated on this thing so much that I thought about it that, wow, a man who is not born again is a walking dead man because he's already doomed. The life of God is not in him. The spirit that will wake him up in Romans 8 where it says, um, that same spirit that quickens Jesus will raise him up from the last day is not in him. I thought about it so much and I said, wow, this is one of my motivations of preaching the gospel, that wow, so people are really going to not exist in this life again. Do you really believe that if men reject the message on your lips, on outreach, <laughs> they are going to perish? They are going to hell? And I told you that hell is not fire burning, they are just erased out of existence. So that means... When we say, let's go for evangelism, let's go for, let's disciple people. I am not, and I'm saying it because this is the culture of our local church. It's not a force. It is my responsibility. Now, let's go to Matthew 28. This is where I've been trying to go. This is my context in this series. Let's go to Matthew 28. Let's go to Matthew 28, verse 18. This is my text in this series. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, this was Jesus giving them a responsibility to go into the world. So, what is the work of a pastor? The work of a pastor, and you will see that same thing in Mark 16, the same responsibility and commitment again. What's the work of a pastor? My work is reminding you of God's work or God's responsibility for your life. It's not a force. When we say, let's go for evangelism. Evangelism is not a force. And I tell people, I say, okay, it's just like all the leaders now. I had a meeting with all of you overnight on Zoom. Yesterday night, around 1 a.m., we were having a meeting. And I said something, I said, I said something, I said, if I told all of you, some of you that were in that meeting will remember. And I said, if I told all of you to bring 10, 10 people and collect $1 million to church, do you know that Supernatural Community Church would have packed out this building? Oh, we can't be here again now. We'll have started using the stadium. Because you will just resign from your job and all you will just be doing is, ah, you don't want every week. Every, you know, every week, one million. The next question you start asking me, Pastor, if I bring 15, come, we like collect 15 million dollars. And it's on a weekly basis. You know, there was something they told us in WCC 2020. 
They said, if we told you that for every one hour you pray, one million dollars, you know, the prayer will not belong to you. Prayer rally will never belong. Twelve hours that you pray, prayer is a year or to die. It will not belong. You just see it as, ah, can't we do more? After the 12 hours, you just say, no, I'm still catching body. Because, you are catching body because of the money, not because of God. You say, rah, 13 hours. You say, ah, the nations, the nations, the life, not the nations. It's one million dollars. So that shows that our priorities matter. I remember I said, what you focus on will grow. See, why am I so focused on my church, on supernatural community? Why is it that I'm not... Do you notice that I've never been so binge on inviting somebody except my pastor in this world? How many of you have observed that? Because I know and I trust God that he called me to this work. If he, if he called me and I put my attention and I put my life to this, it, I, will, I will see it blossom. You and I never knew that we, we did a back end, AY can tell you, we did a back end, and in DD, we did a back end on our social media. And we found out that, and I'm not trying to exaggerate, and if I boast, I boast in Christ. Almost, and, and I'm trying to even be more calm, more than 60 nations has picked our messages up. And I'm not saying one, a lot of them picked our messages up with active listening. And I'm wondering, where are these people? And you and I never knew that what we just said on this pulpit can travel that far. Even me, I did not know. I swear to God, I did not know. I was just, many of, many a times, when we, the, the messages that we will record, many of them, we used to record it on phone. Now we have speakers. Then we don't record it on phone, just keep it there, just, we do not know. All we're just doing is so that people will just hear it and people that come to our church then, we just hear it and they will just catch up with what we are doing. How many of you remember those days that we didn't know? Till God told us to come on social media. We didn't know. So, what is my work? My work is, look at this instruction. I've heard some stupid, and, I, I, and I'm so sorry, but I have to call them stupid. Tell me that this instruction were given to only the apostles alone. And I wondered, if it was given to the apostles alone, then it doesn't have to be written. Then they will not have written it, because it's not everything they wrote. If it's everything they wrote, they will have told us, the, they will have told us how Jesus is to snore. Or you think he did not snore? They would have told us how he used to go to the toilet. They would have given us those information. I mean, they were with him. They literally were together every time. Such that they, were, they looked like clones. That, they, that even the Pharisees says we can't recognize him. Because they now all look alike. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That's why they said Judas will even kiss him. Because they, they now look, they have been together. So, in this series, I'm, I'm just now starting. All I've been doing is introduction. See, why I say you should be learning? You know, I told you that my anchor text is Matthew 28, so I'm just starting. <laughs> so, all I've been saying since is preamble. <laughs> in this series, 
and it's going to be a training. Uh, I want to train us as a church. We're going to have some focus on things we want to touch and things we want to train ourselves on and things we have to remind ourselves on. As critical as evangelism is, do you believe it is one way God can reach the world? Or do you see evangelism as church population? Do you see it as I'm, we are sending ourselves or we are going for evangelism because we want to increase the church? It's part of it. It's definitely part of it. Because you can't rule them out. So that's why you can't, you have to stop saying a statement of, ah, even if nobody hears us, eh, the, eh, you will teach. We can't teach an empty chair now. A stunted growth is a cost in scripture. If we are not growing, then we are cost as in scripture. Because in the, in the word of the scripture, the word of scripture is such that, you know me, I always teach you Bible and I'll be very honest. The word of scripture is such that the whole earth will be filled with his glory. When God called Abraham, he says, the families of the earth. When God came, the whole earth. Look at Jerusalem. Jerusalem in Jesus' time was about 70,000 people, according to population, when Jesus was around. And look at it. Jesus reached, they said, 5,000 men. That was the way they could calculate. And I told you, in a typical church world, women will be more than the men. So that would mean that Jesus reached at least a certain, look, imagine, almost 10,000 people out of 70,000. That's a good number in a city. That was why he was persecuted. That was why he was killed. You know, I told you, I said to you that what happened to Jesus? What, why did Jesus, why was Jesus crucified? Jesus was crucified because he was not crucified. Why was he hanged in with two thieves? The work of those people were that. Let me tell you. They saw them as an opposition to the government. Let me explain it to you. Give me a second. Everybody look at me. Let me, let me explain that thing to you quickly. What was Jesus' offense? Which he didn't offend anybody. And why did they say Barnabas or Jesus? And do you know that the whole, the whole congregation, if you are watching this passage of Christ, that will give you remembrance now. The whole congregation shouted, Barnabas! And they don't say, they should crucify Jesus. Give us Barnabas. Who is that guy? Let me explain it to you. In their world, it's just like, let me use today's word to, to do it for you. I don't know if you have seen... Um, People rise up and say, um, we are a foundation and we want the government to succumb to our will. I have seen those things. Like, let me use an example now and say, um, the best way I can use it is, let me use my own country. Let me use Nigeria. There are two sects of people in Nigeria. They call them, there's one, there's one guy, Sunday, Igboruru, I don't know his last name, I don't know how to say Igboru. He, he just woke up one morning and said he wants Nigeria to divide and they want to start in a, a Yoruba nation. And Nigeria is a country that has different ethnic groups. I mean, we said there are three, but there are more than 500 ethnic groups in Nigeria. And that guy wants to divide the nation and say the Yorubas to go to this place. And there's another guy, Inam Dekalu, he wants the Igbos to also divide. The two of them are in prison today. 
Why? They are an opposition to the government. That's the best way I can. You can't try it in America. I mean, you can't try it. This thing I'm saying, you can't do it. I mean, they are just go and try it in Russia. Or go and try it in North Korea. There are some conditions you don't have the mind to think that the thoughts will not cross your mind. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they were up. You know what that means? You are trying to say the nation, the president of the nation is not cap, is not. Do you know the, the implication of that statement? The president of the nation is not fit to rule the entire nation. You want to rule a, set, a certain set of people. You also want to rule a certain set of people. Let the president rule. That's an opposition to the government. They, they are in jail today. We don't know when they are coming out. That was exactly what happened. So who was Barnabas? Abi Barnabas or that guy that the it was that kind of sex. We, you said that the people accepted him. So it shows that he had his own clique of people that he was ruling and he was, they were following him. They were succumbing to his ideas and all their things were opposition to the pilot. The same thing with all the two thieves. They did not steal chicken. They did not steal money. No, no, no. That's not what they did. They called them thieves in their war because they were trying to steal the people away from the government. And don't forget, it was a bit of a tyrannical um, issue where Aaron can just wake up and say, kill all the male child. So you are trying to oppose the government. That's what, that's what they did. So what was Jesus saying? That was why when they came to Jesus and said, what do you see in this inscription, this coin? Jesus quickly used wisdom. I said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You know, the, you know how the Bible said it? They say they came to him tempting him. So that he will say the wrong thing. They will say, mm -hmm, we've caught him. Let's go, and, let's go and kill him. He has said, he has spoken against the government. It was a tyrannical issue. So they say, uh -huh, we, we've laid a claim on him. We catch him. Let's go, and, let's go to Pilate and say, this is what he said. He, he, he deserves to die. Are you seeing it? Jesus said, who do you see on this question? <laughs> smart guy. Smart Jesus. Give to Jesus. Caesar will belong to Caesar. Replicate me. I only came to do my father's will. <laughs> you see that Jesus was not speaking against the government. John the Baptist started speaking against the government. Pew. <laughs> they beheaded him straight. The daughter just said, who do you want? What, who do you want? I want his head in a butcher. <laughs> and they came to deliver it to him. To tell you how much that sister was tyrannical. When John the Baptist was angry and said, Jesus did not come to my... Jesus did not come. Who is Jesus? He was expecting that Jesus' power must be power that can just break him out of the jail. <laughs> and in Jesus, John the Baptist sent his own disciples to go and meet him. It's like saying, John the Baptist sent his own assistant pastors. Go and meet Jesus and tell him that, are you the one we should go and be waiting for? Ah. <laughs> Look at what Jesus just said. The blind receive their sight. <laughs> the lame are walking. <laughs> say, go and tell him that we should see. I've not heard that scripture before. He said, go and tell him that we should see. That's not my own business. So, man, no, the meaning is, that's not my business. I don't come to talk against the government. John the Baptist will say, you old generation of vipers. Do you know Jesus did not talk like that? 
John the Baptist, whole generation of vipers. All this, talking against the government, they were watching and say, mm -hmm. we'll catch you one day. <laughs> we'll catch you. When they now arrested him, he was expecting that Jesus will come. That's why you will hear some theological argument that say they expected Jesus to be a political messiah. They wanted Jesus to come and rescue them from the tyrannical issue that was going on. But that was not his... <laughs> That's why today I'm still angry that some pastors have the audacity to be speaking against, to be speaking politics. If it's a military system of government, you can't dare it now. So it's you not know, that you just wake up in the morning and just see a coup. Fellow Nigerians, we have taken over the government <laughs> and you move on. You can't even know who is the next president. Because it's a dictatorship, it's a detective, it's a dictator or something. It's democracy that is causing this madness. Just say, I see the next four years, Hillary Clinton will win. Do you know how many presidents, how many pastors prophesied that thing? And in our very eye, Donald Trump won. I thought, I, in our very eye, they announced Donald Trump. They were now saying, God can change his mind. So shut up. You are embarrassing Christianity. Can God show you those things? Yeah, but that, you should tell your friends. Don't announce it on the pulpit. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's not our work. Jesus did not, the way issues in Jesus' time, he did not address. Some people expect that pastor must address the whole world. Why is the pastor not speaking? Why is this pastor not speaking against what's going on in Palestine and Iran? Am I there? Am I not in Rochester? Can we pray for them? Yes. Some people expect that I should, I should, be, I should, I should come to church now and be telling you, so you know, I talked about it in my thesis. I can't, that's not my business on the pulpit. We can pray for them and because we can offer prayer as saints for the world, but that's not my business. As much as it concerns me that it's the world, but my responsibility is where I am. What is going on here? There are still shootings in Rochester. I have not spoken about that one. <laughs> I should be talking about what is going on in Palestine and Amman and the Amman's group. What's, you know, you must have a focus. Jesus did not, Jesus did not put his mouth on so many things, so he must, so what, what was Jesus' offense? They just felt like he has taken all over Jerusalem, that everybody has succumbed to his doctrine, that's all. So that's why he was hung, that was the, that, why, why did they hang them on the, uh, anybody that is in opposition to the government, that is the kind of punishment that they put to them. So that's why we say Jesus was actually innocent. He never opposed the government. Does it make sense to you? Does the death of Jesus make sense to you now? He did not oppose Pilate. That was why when Pilate even asked him a question, do you notice he was quite silent? He could not still speak because he is not against them. His own is that men's lives should be saved. Do you notice it? He did not still talk. But who, John the Baptist, Oh, that was not putting his mouth in what does not concern him. What was the next thing? He said was gone. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that was Jesus. That was what happened with Jesus. But do you see that the kind of influence he had? Because he has been able to reach, look at, imagine 70,000 people in the city and 10,000 people are in your own church. And the other 60,000 understand that you, are Ill, you can heal them. They just do not want to associate, maybe because of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Look at that kind of influence in the city. 
So don't speak against numbers and say some churches are too big. It's not big enough. Don't speak against numbers. So that's one correction we'll first make. Does that make sense? We can't speak against numbers. I have never taught you to do it. Never in all my years of ministry. Never taught you to speak against numbers. We want the numbers. Hallelujah. Say we want the numbers. We want the numbers. Yeah. It's a threat. I, I, that meeting I was telling you I went for in August, Colorado, it was Andrew Womack Ministries. And they were in a village. I, I'll call that place a village, Woodland Park. The, the population of that place is so small. And the, in fact, the mayor of the city came to that meeting in the very first session and said, thank you all for coming to Colorado. He said, thank you, Pastor Andrew Womack, for bringing the world to this our small city. Literally, there was no hotel, I mean, no hotel available that week because of that ministry in the entire city. No hotel. If you needed an hotel, you have to leave Woodland Park and go to Denver or go to Colorado Springs because of that ministry. Every restaurant that we went to to eat knew that something was happening in that city. That's impact. As I got there, I said, Jesus. I said, I was literally in tears. And I said, this will happen to us. Every restaurant. In fact, restaurants had to change their closing hours. I remember we, we went to McDonald's. Is it McDonald's or Burger King or Abbey's? Either of the two. Because I stayed with a host carried me and they were feeding me. So they would tell me not to eat that. They would be feeding me. So, so I was just enjoying. So I was just in their car. They said, what do you want to eat? So I'll just choose. I say, oh. they say, say anything. Ah. It was like manna. Say anything. We, we, ah. Say say anything. So I'll just, so in fact, before we leave the session, I'll have been Googling the restaurant I want to eat before they say, say anything. So I know where I want to say. <laughs> At least it's one week before I come back to my Rochester. <laughs> So, we went to one abyss. It was about, about 11, 12 a.m. in the night. And they said, one, we, 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 I, want, I sparked up a conversation to preach to the person. And I said, the person said, ah, I, we would have closed. If I, I was preaching to the person, the person said, we would have closed. It's because of Andrew Womack Ministries. We are still, we are, still are you guys coming from the place? We said, yeah, we are just coming from Andrew Womack Ministries. They said, yeah. He said, that's why we are still open. We will have gone home. So this is what you are telling me about Jesus. That we would have gone. <laughs> but I was so I was so touched that no hotel, no inn, no motel, no Airbnb, nothing in the entire city was available because of a ministry. The mayor of the city came up and said, Welcome to Colorado Springs. The person, they were not telling us how we must drink water. If you don't want to die before your time, <laughs> you must. And I was just like, wow, this is impact. That is what Jesus wants. And that is exactly what Jesus did in Jerusalem. 10,000 people, almost 10,000. Imagine 5,000 people were seated beside women. And you know it. Women are more than men in the general congregation beside children. In a city of 7,000 people in their, in their time, in Jesus' time, 70,000 people. That's a good percentage. So when we say Jesus really went about preaching the gospel, he did. Okay, look at Jerusalem. Why do you think they went through persecution? Did they flog them? Did they put them in prison? In Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5. 3,000 people got saved in that same 
70,000 population in one day. That's almost a good percentage. You know what they now said in Act 5? Your doctrine has filled the whole of Jerusalem. Wow. That was why the persecution came. They now said, the, the persecution came so much, they now started scattering abroad. That's what made them to start going to Samaria, different places. They say, oh, yeah, you start returning back to your cities. Everybody, oh, yeah, missionary trips now. And when Philip went in Act 8, the Bible says, the whole city, and I don't believe the Bible was exaggerating, the whole city of Samaria gave it to his gospel. And the whole city was saved, one man. That is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. So can we wake up in the morning, the next couple of years, and say, the old Rochester, the, I mean, it has happened before. 1830, Charles Finney came to this city. 60,000, it was 60,000. 60,000 people were in this city, and everybody in this entire Rochester was saved. That's impact. Can it happen again? Why not? Rochester is just 200,000. We are not much. Rochester is just 201,000. In, in closer demographics now, it's 202,000 people because of the influx of international students and people moving and migrating because of the schools. So in closer demographics now, it's 202,000. That's a very small number. Can this entire 202,000 be saved? Yes. I mean, when I went to Woodland Park, I mean, it was just this year, I was challenged. And I saw that, wow, this is... And it's not just that. They have ministries everywhere in the world. And it was like, wow, this is exactly God's plan for the earth. And interestingly, that is not still enough. Because no number is too small. Are you getting what I'm saying? We shouldn't come to church and we should have empty chairs. No number is too small for God. Even when we reach 100 million, we are still not enough. Because the earth population is 8 billion, I think. 8 billion. It's still 8 billion until the entire 8 billion is saved. Uh -huh. God is satisfied. So no number is too small. I was looking at the population of North America as of 2016. North America is 576 million. I mean the continent. New York as at 2021 is 8.4 million. Until the entire 8.4 million people is saved, it's still not enough. So, no number is too small. Tell your neighbor, say, no number is too small. So, we have to first think big. Now, look at, look at, look at something I'm saying. We have to think big. So, and now, are you thinking, look at your ministry locations now. We are going into, like I said, we just started the study. Are you thinking your ministry location and seeing the entire ministry location saved? Those of you in UR, those of you in Brooks, Maryland, um, IU, Notre Dame, Boss State, Uganda, those all are ministry. Are you thinking and seeing that everybody in that place is saved and filled with the Spirit of God? I want you to think big. Because the gospel is for everybody. It says go. And look at in that Matthew 28. The consistent word. You see that word in Matthew 28, Mark 16. The consistent word is go. That go is consistent. Now, let's start breaking it down. You know, I was still saying that I drew one story. It really challenged me. 
ah, I, I got there and, I, and the first thing I did was to pray. I walked around that place just praying and I was like, ah. I remember when I went to the church, I've never seen a church that fine, big, beautiful. In the, I've been, I mean, I've been in America for a while and I've traveled places, but I haven't seen a ministry that big, organized, and I mean, and what they are doing there is raising disciples. It's not as if they are just gathering church members. That I told you that ordinary a, a worker told me, just a, a random security guard told me, and I was looking for help. He just told me, "Can I pray with you?" You know, that's training. You do know it, 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 what a normal security guard would do in a normal world. In fact, it would be somebody that is not born again that would be a security guard. Uh, I don't live here, or the person will even be smoking as a security guard, and is a church. In church. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But this one held my hand and said, can you, I mean, I know you're looking for accommodation, but let's pray. And I was like, I was so challenged. I was like, ah, what a training these guys have received, just even as a security worker. All his, all his work is to do is those people that will just drive cars and be looking around the venue. And I'm like, wow, what a training these guys have received in the ministry. I, I mean, Andrew Womack Ministries, I was so challenged. Very challenged. Very, very challenged. And all they are doing is raising disciples. I don't want to tell you what Jesus told us to do from the scripture is raise disciples. Raise disciples. Raise men who can do these things, who can teach. And Jeremiah will tell you, I don't want to lay hands on people because I want you to lay hands on people to get healed. That's why I was able to pray for women with their arthritis because they gave us the permission to do it. He taught us healing and said we should lay hands on people. He taught us about healing and he told us to walk up to people and pray. So me too, I walked up to this woman with arthritis and I laid hands on her and she stood up. Training. And thousands of people were there receiving that training. I was like, wow, this is possible. This is possible across the United States. So you must think big. Don't have a compartment of we are just friends. All of you here were not friends before. You met each other because of supernatural conversations. Don't now get too used to each other that you don't know how to open up to people. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That's devilish. That's a cult. That means we are raising the church as a cult. If we cannot grow, then we are a cult. Am I making sense? A church that is not growing is veering into a court because it's only a court that is closed up. I expect that there is a new command. Thank God, God has been faithful with us in the last couple of weeks now, or in the last couple of months, that there's virtually new commands every week. Are you getting what I'm saying? There must be that growing nature with us. So we must not use our mouth to say, even if we are not reaching the world, we want to reach the world. That's why we're on YouTube. That's why we're on SoundCloud. That's why we're on Spotify. That's why we're on streaming platform. We want to reach the world. So that the whole earth is filled with this good. A limited number, hear what I'm saying again, is a cost. And we are not cost. Hallelujah. We are blessed. Last year, we could not have imagined to do a meeting in this kind of venue. We used three venues to do just three days. In fact, last year, Glory Meeting was... <laughs> It was just three days, but we used how many venue? We used hotel for first session, RIT up building for morning afternoon session, night session. We used downstairs building. We now came back Sunday morning for for venue for one meeting. But look at how God has blessed us now. Shows we are growing, right? We're not this number last year. We're in city room. 
We're just how many people? But look at what God is doing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now we can now say, now look at how we are talking now. We are now talking nations. I was just talking with a person in Andorra now. And one of the things I want to start planning is, hey, what's the plan for next 2024? Are we holding a conference? What's going on? Are we coming down to hold a meeting there in 2024? That's, we are not, almost three, four years ago, we're not talking nations. I mean, whose nation is hearing us? <laughs> Which nation was hearing us then? Now we are talking, that shows that, we are now being received more in different places. That's growth. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's growth. So that means we must continually grow. It mustn't come to a point where we are stagnant. That's a cause. Where we are, we are not reaching the world. That's a cause. It then it makes us a cult. And the church of Jesus is not a cult. It's a reaching world. So we cannot say, we can't say we are a mega church. That's not who we are. We will forever be saying we are a growing church. Say we are a growing church. So even if we are one billion, what are we? We are still a growing church. Because we, till the whole earth is filled with his glory, we cannot stop. So do we foresee a church in every state in North America? In America? Yes. Do we foresee a church in everywhere in in the Middle East, yes. Africa, yes. Everywhere, we are a growing church. And let me tell you, does that mean that there are no other churches? That's not our business. We are focused on our own. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Is it like there's no other? Everybody will do what God has called him to do. I've always told you before. No one man will reach the entire world. That's not how God has made it. If it is one man, then there will only be one ministry in the world. Look at us today. There's a church upstairs, there's a church downstairs. In fact, there are three churches in this building. Everybody's reaching their own world. There's no fight. Are you getting what? The same way they are reaching the world, which we are reaching the world, everybody's reaching the world. During prayer meeting yesterday night, I was upstairs and I was looking at their mission trips. The church was there. I noticed that they actually even do missions to nations. And I was so excited to see it. I was looking at their mission trip update. I was just walking around and I just stumbled on, oh wow, there's a mission trip that they do in this place. I was so, I, I, mean, I even want to have a meeting with the pastor to ask the pastor, okay, how do you do it so that we, can, we, we, are, we are also in that direction now? How do you guys do it? Give us a wisdom. You know, we rub minds together. Are you getting what I'm saying? We are all growing. But like I said, focus is our priority. Our focus is supernatural community church. Where God has planted us. I'm not going to be concerned about what another nation is. They two are reaching the world. We two are reaching the world. All of us, all our whole mission is the whole 8 billion people on the earth will be saved and filled with the glory of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Please give me more. Give me another. I, I told you two hours, but we did not start early. But give me another 20, 30 minutes. Do I have that one? Good? Okay, thank you. So when it says all nations, Matthew 28 verse 19, when it says go into all nations, all nations in the Bible means the Jews and every other nation. Let me explain it. In the Bible world, there's like two nations, the Jews and the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? You are sure not a Jew. That's, that's, that's the meaning of Gentile. Gentile means no matter where you are from, you are not just a Jew. So it's 
Gentile is like other world. So we can simply say the Jews and the other nations. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is when it says all nations. And that word is in the Greek called ethnos. And it simply means people who are tied by language, culture, and belief. Ethnos. People who are tied by culture, language, and belief. So all nations, we can break it down and say, now, like I said, we are doing practical, right? We are doing training, practical. Does that make sense? Now, we can break it down and say, whole nations, can we say, all nations can mean people with different occupations. Can we say, all nations, warehouse workers. We said nations, ethnos in the Greek, people who are tied by language, culture, and beliefs. A group of people. Can we say, can we now break it down into practicality and say, whole nations, all nurses. Can we say that? Can we say all nations, all students? Can we say all nations, all kindergarten students, all high school students? Can we say all nations, people with different age grades, tribes, right? Um, different classes of the society, the rich, the poor, because it will always be like that. Is it God's doing? No. <laughs> it's man's doing. They will always... Can we say all nations, drugs, people... Hope you know that a nation is on TikTok. It's TikTok. TikTok is another nation already. How many of you know that? There's something I've been I've been studying recently. The way if you if you stay too long on Instagram or social media, your worldview will be so small. Because you will have, you will just think this is how everybody in the world is doing things. But I found out that it's just a little percentage of the world that is on social media. A very little percentage of the world. That's why it seems like. Social media is so small that you can easily spread that information today now and it has circulated around the world. It's to tell you how small the space is. That's why, some, that's why today they will say, yeah, maybe a police wants to harass you. Just on your phone, it will go around. It's to tell you how small it is. So if you are always somebody on social media, your worldview will be so myopic. You just think this is how everybody in the world is doing things. And that is not true. So can we say people categorized with drugs? That's another nation. Smoking, right? Another nation. People who are different, you know, different kind of people. Because nations are not always positives. They are also negative with nations. But the gospel is multicultural. Tell your neighbor, say the gospel is multicultural. Multi-ethnic. Multi-tribal. That's the gospel. It must cut across places, cut across people. That means we must have, we must also, can we project and say, we're going to one day have people in our church that can't speak English. Can we say that? You know, in Uganda Light Conference, they had to, an interpreter had to stand beside Brolimo. You know why? Because not everybody understands the English. In fact, I showed you people the jingle. They didn't advertise the jingle in English. They advertised the jingle, the radio jingle in their own language. Oh, we don't have a community church. So we don't have on the radio jingle. Because, <laughs> oh, we don't hear the name. We don't know anything they said again. Because it's not our language. So, can we say that there will be a time in this church, not long from now, and I mean very, very soon, where we'll be having Spanish translations. Why? Because, why, why did I say Spanish? 
we are in North America. Another predominant language in North America is Spanish. In fact, there was almost a proposition that Spanish should be an official language. So they now made it that two official languages in North America that it is, is English and Spanish. So Spanish is an official language in North America. I mean, in the United States of America. And that's because we are surrounded with the South American countries like Mexico and many people who are migrating are all lots of Spanish people too. That's why Spanish too is also taken as courses. Spanish is even far beyond French. In West African countries, French is more official. In fact, I found out that in Africa, English is not the number one language in the whole of Africa. French is not the number one language. In the, then Swahili, then English. <laughs> as much as we thought, and that's because, that's why you must not let your worldview, you must not be, you must not be myoking your worldview. You can just think that because you are speaking English in the side of Africa you came from, you now think that's the entire thing. French is actually number one, then Swahili. So that means there are more Swahili speaking people in the whole of Africa than even English speaking people. English is like the number third language. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> so that means we must be opened. Tell your neighbor, say you must be opened. Open to different people. So that means, can we have a church where somebody will come in or a group of people will come in and all they are smelling is smoke? Can we have that? We should be having that. Because that is how the country is. People are like that here. Are we going to condemn them? No, that's not our work. But is our work to change their lives? Yes. So, are we going to have a church where you'll be sitting down and the person beside you, you have inhaled the smoke that you are able to die? Have you ever have you preached the gospel before and you have gone to church before and the person that is smelling, the, the smoke you are smelling is already making you dizzy? You have inhaled, you do not smoke it too, just be, by being with the person. You just inhale it and you're just feeling dizzy. So, this is the gospel. So, let's just, let me just collect your number. <laughs> <laughs> so that means we must ensure that our message is not tilting to a set of people as a pastor there's some, there's a way I've had to rework my message in the last one year to make sure that I am cutting across every class every set of people it was an intentional thing I noticed something in my earlier days in, in some older messages that are on Google Drive that are not on SoundCloud that's why now let me now confess. Why am I not? Why did I not put certain messages on this SoundCloud? Some of you did not know why. Let me confess. The message was was more tilted to like a student audience, and that's because many of you, as at that time, were students. So I was talking more to a student audience. So the worldview of that messages. Are messages that tilted to a group of people that certain people will not relate to. So that's why it seemed like I cherry picked certain messages we put on SoundCloud on the on the on the world to hear. And I noticed that those messages, go and watch, go and listen. There's no message you listen to now that doesn't seem to cut across everybody. It was a very intentional thing I did. Because I am not planning to have just students in my congregation. I'm planning to have the aged. Older people, people who are 80, sitting down and still praying. 
I'm planning to have four years old sit down and listen. Even though they may be in the children's church, but me, my own view of children's church is as far as you can read, write, and understand, and you are very, you are intelligent, sit down, you will learn what I'm teaching. There's no Jesus at the age of twelve was already asking tough question. We don't have to segregate them for too long. The reason why we are segregating them is because of their scope of understanding. That's all. But once they can understand to a certain extent, there's no there's no point of being sitting there in children's church and be reciting things that does not concern them. Then they come and be learning the gospel. I became a pastor as a teenager, and that was one of the things that is making me here today. If I didn't start that early, I probably would not be here today. So I have had that mindset from when I was younger. That the way I will raise younger people when they start, and that's why if you notice, there's a curriculum that I'm going to draft, and I'm going to be teaching the entire church next year, so that we can know how to raise children. Is such that. The only, the only difference between what we preach and what the children will preach is the scope of understanding. It's not different. We must not teach them something different. You have to teach them, row, row, row your boat. That's not what they should be learning in the children's church. What will that do for them? Many, 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 many. Don't you all the see? If that's what Jesus was doing, he will roll his boats to hell. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but... I don't even get what I'm saying. Ah. So, our message must not be tilting to a particular kind of audience. Now, why do we not have cell meetings? What do we do in a cell meeting? A cell leader is expected to know his audience. We have not broken it. I can't stop teaching. Let me tell you something. I can't stop teaching to go back to the basics at this point. What's the work of a cell leader? Is, is work, the work of a cell leader is to ensure that things I have taught years ago, basics, is being retreated again to catch up with what I'm saying. I don't expect that, who am I now? Is your next sermon. You don't even know it. I've not even finished it. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? The best you can do is go and watch it. Go and listen to it. But when you are teaching them, I say, reality of Christianity is did there. The idea of uh, the do they even know what is indwelling in their spirit yet? Are you guys what I'm saying? So our message must not tilt to a particular audience. It must not. It must cut across every word. So when it says the old world, so the old world is focusing on people, and the old world is focusing on places. I'll say it again. When it says the old world, can we say the old world is People and places, right? So can we say the whole? You know, Jesus was Jesus was specific in there. He should say Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And do you see that when Luke will write and document it, he gave us specifics: Jerusalem, Samaria. He gave us all of those specifics that they reached those places. So can we say the whole of Rochester is the whole world to us? Or let's say, let's, let's, let's put it as a scope. Can we say the whole of New York? Now, for those that are in our other churches who will still pick this message, I'm talking also about your city. Can we say the whole of New York is our whole world to us? Right? Can we say that? Now, in our world today, we have statistics and data, and we must always use it. 
That's why I called those of you leaders and we had a meeting yesterday and I said, this is the certain number of people that came for this camp meeting. We drew the statistics and we said, we didn't do enough job. And there were legit and vital excuses. But I said, those excuses are not enough for me. Of why an handful of about 10, 15 people, 20 people could not show up in camp meeting. Those are le legit excuses. But it shows that we are not working hard enough. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So that shows that we must be able to think of places and the world as a worldview. As, no, not worldview. As an entire scope. So the plan we have must be for people and we must plan for a place. So there is a goal. Let me tell you, what is God's plan today? If you caught God's mind today, he wants the entire 8 billion people on earth saved. So that means we must learn to endure with people. Tell your neighbor, say you must learn to endure with people. So I will start rushing now because of my time. How many people are we to reach in? Let me draw Rochester. Rochester today now. And in statistics, I expect that those of you in your ministry locations that you're watching me or that you're listening to this would draw a statistics of your own location and know the number of people there, the class of people. Let me tell you, in Rochester today, let me tell you, I have done statistics. I can tell you, there is more educated people in Rochester than any other city in New York. There's about almost, there's two major universities here Almost five sub-universities in this, in, within Rochester, colleges, schools. So that shows we are in a very educated city. That means, now let me tell you what that means. It shows that there will be more atheists, more agnostics, more people who just believe in secular beliefs in this our city. And we must be able to plan for them because God wants the whole nation reached. Do you also know? I've done my research. I've done my own work. And I expect every one of you in your ministry locations, in your places to do those own work. Do you also know, in Rochester today, there are more Christians in Rochester. Why? Because of the kind of own work that people who have gone ahead of us has done. People like Charles Finney in the 18s. So there are more churches in Rochester than any other places in the entire New York. I mean... Some other places have churches, but Rochester is part of those places that has a number of churches. But the question is, what churches are available? A whole lot of Presbyterian churches, a whole lot of Methodist, Catholic, a whole lot of different churches are available. Do you also know that a number of people are not employed in Rochester? A whole number of people. So, do you know why statistics, you know, we are, we are so lucky in our world today. I'm sure that if Paul has the statistics in his world, it will help him. Or if Jesus does. That shows that, wow, as a church now, we have to start planning something like food pantry, something like how to help the, how to help the homeless, how to help people within the community. That is another responsibility. And just, I'm telling you our future, these are 2024 20, things we're going to do. That's something we have to start doing. 
Do you also know that in Rochester today, the age bracket in Rochester today is between 16 to 75? So that means there is no so much aged people in this city. <laughs> so that means we are almost in the same age bracket. So everybody is faced with the same kind of problem. That makes our work easier. And that's because quite a number of people are students or students who left Rochester and did not relocate back to their city and decided to migrate. Or something brought people. What brought Rochester is not a place. Rochester is like an home city. It's like vacation city. Where we go back home after their wood to come and stay. So a lot of people that settled in Rochester, something brought them here. Everybody, I can tell you, based on statistics, 50% of everybody in Rochester are not from Rochester. Something somehow, somewhere brought somebody, brought people here. So there's a lot of people living too. So that shows that we also have to raise a lot of missionaries in this city. Because especially students who will just do their school, four years, go back, go to wherever they come from. So that shows that this can be a missionary city. Where within four years we train people and they can go back to wherever city and go and start up something. Now I'm giving you this statistic because you're in Rochester. And I expect that you are very smart and we have to see how we can work with it. So, look at it. So, that shows that we know our surroundings now. And we can still do more statistics and data. We know our surroundings. Do you know that Rochester is the fourth poorest city in the entire United States? So that shows that we are not expecting to see 100% rich people. Watch it. How many cars, how many, how many big cars do you see here? How many times have you driven and you see one mighty car like that? But go to proper New York, go to Manhattan. You know where you know what cars mean. Tesla is how many times have you seen an Uber Tesla here in Rochester? But go to Manhattan. That is now the bulk of game. Or go to Brooklyn. That is now what is prominent. Are you getting what I'm saying? It shows that as a church now, let me tell you what is showing me now as a pastor. It shows that as a pastor. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how I see these statistics. Let me first tell you from my own point of view. And I'll tell you how you should see it too. Jesus as a pastor, yes, I have to pray. I have to also plan the church, especially in Rochester, as a missionary church, such that not everybody will stay. Because there's already a very high migration of people already in Rochester. So that means I must be able to know that some people will come to church and stay, some people will come to church and go. So, but they must be able to go and start something. I must also plan for how to teach people also about finances and trusting God. Because the city doesn't look so much like a rich city. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Because our work is lives. So my work is now, oh wow. I have to pray, raise people, make sure that lives are changed. So that means, despite it's an educated city, we are going to have a lot of intelligent conversations. That makes me study more. 
That makes me sit up up tight and say, okay, I have to know what I'm really saying. Ewa will tell you, just, and God will tell you, just how many weeks ago we were having a cell meeting and this brother came in and he challenged me. In fact, they didn't even know the questions he was asking me. And he was challenging me. And they watched me answer all his questions with no, without leaving no trace. I mean, these are questions that I plan to teach people in Bible Aeronautics Series 4. <laughs> you know, we are still on Series 2. This is, yes. And he was challenging me, Old Testament, New Testament, showing the question, asking me. And I was able to answer him. And you know why? It's because I didn't know what is happening. So I'm aware of what is happening in my city. So he's keeping me on the edge. That means we need more of the power of God also. Because only power of God can convince people. That means we need more demonstrations of miracles. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because only miracles can convince the lives of people. So that means in your outreach, you must seek to want to heal the sick. You must seek to want to demonstrate. You know why? That is what we are in for. Statistics will help you and data. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Look at it. 16 to 75 is almost the age bracket in this city. The aged are not so much. Can we go to another city where there's aged? Oh, why not? So that means in our church today now, the kind of age bracket we must expect in church must be between 16 to 75. You can't be, you will, at least 80% of people in our church will be in that age bracket. So the other percentage will be children and we'll just know that, okay, this is what we're going to do for children. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like now, now we are planning on 2024 on outreaches to high schools. We have started writing letters to the government. Okay, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do it. Right, guys? You, you started... You, uh, <laughs> I, I need more update too. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. All this we trust God. Okay. <laughs> so, we started planning it now because we found out that it's two ways too for the students in New York or in Rochester. Once they finish high school, they go to another city that is bubbling. So before they go to that city that is bubbling, let them catch the light of the gospel first. Once they finish, many people, we, I, I found that in statistics that many people that finish high school, though only a few percentage, go and check it. Those of you that schooled in UR, those of you that schooled in RIT, how many people did you find that are from Rochester in your school? How many? How many? Few, very few. So I did that statistics and, and because as a preacher, you must be very smart and you must know what you are doing. And I was able to say, okay, so that means people finish high school two ways in this city. It's either you finish high school and you don't pursue your college and you just start working. Or you leave the city. Very few people retain. So that means all of us in Rochester, we are all pro of immigration. <laughs> 80 piece. So that means I, I zeroed it. This is not... This is not statistics now. This is my own statistics. So I just zeroed it out. Okay. 60% of everybody in Rochester is an immigrant. We all came from different parts. So that means this should be a missionary city. That is how I've seen it. This should be a city where we are training missionaries to reach the world. And that's why I'm having this training with us so that we can see it. So that we can understand the kind of work we have to do. So now that means in Rochester today now, I am not expecting 
my services. Yes, we are going to have full services and every time. But I'm expecting that there will be a certain time in a year where services will be fluctuating because of the people might have gone home. I'm I had to zero it to expect it. It was last year I had to tell myself. Shall I think it was Thanksgiving. Everybody was not around. I was not wondering, ah, what was going on? So I, that's when I started doing that statistic. I said, okay, that means a whole lot of people are not... I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That means when there's special holiday like Thanksgiving, Christmas, there might be people who will not be available. So that means if you want to plan special meetings, except for this one that God is already telling us that, our community will be Thanksgiving. How, how that one will happen? We trust him for that time. <laughs> we have to plan our special meetings around the time that everybody will be around. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now, four kinds of people you will see as I close. Uh, is this... Am I blessing us? I'm training... Is, this is training you. This is how to train you. Uh, there's no, there's no, training is not... Sit down. No, this is training you. <laughs> Four kinds of people you will see as you progress in your teaching and preaching, as you start going for evangelism. I'm teaching us on evangelism and outreaches. As, like I said, I still don't know what to tie to this. Maybe we'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe start figuring the title. It's a series. Maybe I should do second part first before you figure out the title. Four kinds of people you will see as you preach. Number one, a group of people who has never heard the gospel. In Rochester today, we, have, we are faced with that. Not just in Rochester, in North America. They have never heard. It's just like how Paul said it. Have you ever heard whether there be any Jesus? Some people have never heard of Jesus in their life. And you know, God has blessed us in Supernatural Community Church where we have some people who are members of our church that this is their first church in their life and they are quite an adult. That shows we are reaching, right? That shows we are doing work, but we have to do more work, right? Where people come and the first experience of church they are ever getting in their life is supernatural community church. That shows we are, we are reaching the city. So, but we know we, we, there is a number of people in that percentage that we have to still reach. So that means, any, look, there's something T.L. Osborne said, and a lot of Christians don't like it, but I'll say it. Anyone who comes to service is already saved and he, does, he just doesn't know it. If you see somebody that asks you, can we go to church? The guy is already saved. He just doesn't know. He just has to be taught to understand this reality properly. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Jesus, that was why Jesus was found among the wine babas. Who are the wine babas? The prostitutes. The drinkers. Now, can we go? Now, this is a question. Can you go today to a strip club to preach without a compromise? Number, look at two. Look at two things. Without compromising, I say, "Wow, this place is so good. I never knew." <laughs> and just focusing on just preaching to people there, because we have strip clubs even in Rochester, a whole lot of it. And that is where people are. The biggest question, somebody asked me a question. Somebody asked my pastor a question. His daughter asked him a question. I said, why is it that anytime I go and preach, everybody is always Christians. And pastor said, it's because of where you go. 
If everybody you are always meeting on outreach, everybody is Christian, watch where you are. That means it's a church place. That means we must be able to tell ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to that place. And I know that. Look at us now. We are planning high schools outreaches next year. And we are saying, we know many high school students, many of them don't even go to church. Some of you have, some of you have a lot of high school people you are reaching out to. That the reason why they don't come to church today is because of their parents. They don't know how to tell their parents that they are going to church. So many of you are doing Zoom meetings with them online. And it's not wrong. That is, that is what online we do. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That is what the work of... I know some of you wanted them to come for camp meetings and that because of their parents, they couldn't. But do you know that? If you keep teaching them, they will not always be in high school. They will obviously leave high school and they will be able to make their decision one day. And because of the kind of training you train them, do we be able to respond to the gospel? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Let me tell you how I see things. You will not always be in this spot forever. I met many of you when you are in your undergrad, your first year. Many of you have finished masters now. Many of you are now working. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are not in that spot anymore. Many of you had to juggle doing ministry. I, I remember some of you that were in nursing school. Did ministry, nursing, say, Pastor, I have to read this and say, church. <laughs> but you juggled everything. Now you can successfully train somebody in the nursing school and say, don't worry, nursing school cannot disturb your gospel. Don't worry. You can train somebody that is taught, trying to do medical school too and say, <laughs> I did major and minor. And I was consistent in church. Don't worry. There's time for. And you tell me, I still decide and sound. We will lock ourselves up. Two days, only thing we are just seeing is Bible and prayer and pizza. We don't see the rain, we don't see the moon, we don't see the star. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? That is it. So, can we be. In so, now look at me. Look at what I'm doing with you now in your evangelism. And today, I would love us to go for evangelism because, like I said, there has to be practical. Can you go out and successfully talk to people? Now, that means, now look at something. With the kind of city we are in now, that means you and I have to sit up tight with studying the Bible. And that is why I teach the way I teach. Because this city is too educated and you are faced with a lot of questions. Does that make sense? So that means, and next year, oh boy, oh, 2024, oh boy, just pray for me. I'm, the way I'm drawing my calendar, the way we are going to learn the gospel, it will be like you have never learned it in your life. And, and I'm not joking. Just, just, just be praying for me. Now, can we be able to talk to people come and just talk to them about the gospel? Hope you know, it's not, and also, it's not every time you will get an immediate decision. Don't be in a hurry. I told you, some of you were here last year and the guy had to come to church this year. I used six months to preach to this boy. This guy is from China. And the closest he has, he has only been to church twice in his life. Why did he go? He went for a barrier in China or something. He just tumbled on one service. He just walked into so that was it. So he doesn't know Jesus. All he knew is science. He's, he's a study fixes. He's a UR. 
And I got in, I started to talking to him. And it took me to, in fact, he had to travel to China for the summer and come back. We now continued. Then he now told me, now I believe the story. He said it with his mouth. After, I, I, in fact, that day I almost cried. Like, he, after almost six months, he said, look, look at how he called the scripture. He said, the story. Ah, whatever, you shall believe. <laughs> he said, now I believe the story. His, his scope of question now changed. So you won't get an immediate decision. But as you continue, you continue. Because it's really the kind of city we are in. You continue, you continue, you will get something. And there will be some that are insincere. Don't worry. Just leave them, continue. But just that you need power of God. You see why I'm emphatic on, I'm always a very emphatic on power of God. You know, I've never been emphatic on power of God as much as I have been in this Rochester before. I'm not sure if you have that thing. Because it, it, you, are, you are faced with 80s, you are faced with all these people. You need power. Because that is, that is a sign is a, what is a sign and a wonder? It's a pointer to the message. So we need a lot of those pointers. We need a lot of people who are wishes to stand up. So people will gather and watch us preach. Are you doing That's the convincing. That's why God gave us those signs. Number two kind of people. There will be those who will be tough. They've heard the message, but they will argue. I'm sure many of you have seen that happen a number of times. You and I don't like those kind of people. You and I like, have you believed the gospel? Is this and that and that? Do you know just that? The person just looking at you and say, do you believe? Say yes. Can we just pray in the person would and just say, hallelujah. He says, so I'll give you a number. Yeah. The text will text or we'll meet up on t- What time are you free? Person tell you Tuesday. I say, ah, ah. What is so? Jesus is, this person is super receptive. It's not even, that one has past prospects. That one is a That one is disciple. Say, but I caught a fish. But the ones that we argue and say, no, why are you plating your hair this way? Why do you, how do you know the message you are preaching is true? <laughs> Nobody wants to argue with me. But there will be people like that. Look at the category of people. Don't forget, it says go into the world. We are now looking at the kind of people we will see in the world. And look at how we have narrowed it down. We are narrowing it down to the kind of people we will see in America. So we said number one, the people who has never heard the gospel, right? Number two, the people who have heard, but they will be tough and they will argue, right? Okay. Number three, kind of people you will meet. People who are born again, but they are confused. They are born again, no? They know Jesus, they love him. But they just don't go to church, they are confused. Or let me say it this way. They are in another church, but they are confused of their they are confused of their salvation. And when you now taught them, they now suddenly seem to say, hey, hey, I've been looking for a someone like this all my life. They are just, they are not new convert. It's not you that did the job. You only help them. They are not even your disciple. 
as painful as that is. In fact, they could be speaking in tongues. You tell them, these people say, ah, shabragada, bragada, bragada, bragada. They will speak to you with you. You tell them, can you come for prayer meeting? They are ready. Do you listen to the message? They are willing. They are just confused. They are not stable with their faith. What do you do with this person? I'm coming. Let me tell you the number four one so that I can address them. Number four category of people you will meet. Those who are tied to their church. But those who are tired, not tired. Those who are tired of their church. But that is always a dangerous group. That's the most dangerous group. Because if they follow you to your own church, they will also be tired of your own church. <laughs> those are people that they will come to church and the first thing they will first do in the first Sunday is to be giving suggestions. You see, uh, why did your pastor have to, why is there no, why is the opening prayer go down? Why can't it go this way? Because they have a mindset that they want the church to be and those are people that easily spoil the church. And a pastor that is not serious will now be bending his principle to fit in and change that kind of person and change the entire church world. I have the experience. People can tell you some of the churches we've been to and we've had to assist the pastor and the, the old strategy of the church and the whole policy of the church changed because of certain set of people who came to the church and they would just change the entire vision of the church. That's why in this our church, we are not so quick for anybody to become a worker. First year, what we are doing first, sit down, grow. See what still come around for you and see what's going on. Hey, hey, we come we now. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that you will not join the department and be giving suggestion. Then the entire vision of the whole church will. I've seen a church that some people came into the church and the pastor said he doesn't. In this America, the pastor said he doesn't want to sing African song. Just imagine we are singing African song in this kind of our church. Children of God, we you shout hallelujah. We are not fitting into the world now. How will a white come in and march into the? I mean, there are churches that do it, and maybe because. But, in fact, even from scripture, I have not seen it. <laughs> I have not seen it. You know, imagine singing cultural songs, singing native songs. We are not singing songs that. Is English. And we just expect that everybody will learn it. Just even in this service, everybody is multicultural. Just imagine I'm singing Yoruba songs. He cannot understand what I'm saying. She cannot understand what I'm saying. They will not say, let's all sing all the culture. Do you know we are restricting the church to a fix by that? We are being myopic and restricting the entire church to a, co to a, to a kind of a multilingual, like a bias kind of church that this is the kind of people that can fit in. So that when a white or a black American comes in, they can't fit in. Because it's not their language. But some people will come to a church and I'm telling you from personal experience, everyone can tell you. There was, a, there was that church, and they just changed the entire setting because of certain people. 
When pastors are seeing men, pastors who are willing to do ah, they just say, okay, every last song, the cultural song, cultural day, dress in your native attire. A white person, is, what if somebody in his own native attire is naked? There are some cultures in Africa that their culture is naked. What if they now migrated to the America and you say, come in your cultural attire? What will you see? And a person comes to church naked. What will you see? Is that that can't be what the church should be all about? That can't be our focus. How will a white fit in when we start singing Yoruba songs, Swahili songs? Except a white who is willing to learn, who is happy and just say, wow, just excited. But many people will just tell you you are not serious and not come back again. Then you have the word that God has called you to reach, you are not reaching again. Because you have restricted the church to a fix. So that means those kind of people are very dangerous. People that are quick to, you see them on that, they have their own church. Too. They have their church. But they'll tell you, don't worry, I'll be coming some few times. Are you getting what I'm saying? They can, do you know what you do? So now let me explain to you. The first two group of people, are disciples. Those are people that you can, you have to enjoy with and pour your life on. You will pour your life on those those first set of people. And we're going to address many sets and different things as we progress in this series. Is this blessing you guys? Is this opening your mind up to 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 how to preach? Okay. And do you see what do you see do you see the import of statistics and data? Do you know why I'm using statistics and data? If you don't know what is happening around you, especially in this America, you'll be lost. You'll be so lost. If I'm just based, if I just base the church now based on the color of people that are around us, we'll be so lost. Do you, how many of you have observed that in this our church, we don't do any traditional thing? Maybe if you have come from maybe different churches before, in supernatural convention, they, they don't seem to be any traditional practice. How many of you have observed that thing? This is because. We, are, we can't be in this kind of city and still be trying to... Uh, we have a word to reach. Now we pray. The only cultural thing is tongues. <laughs> we pray in tongues. And that's because it's in the scripture. We sing. I think we lift up our holy hands. We don't have time to be there. Now, brethren, let's change the song. After we say... Lord, we worship you. Amen. Brethren, are you in the house today? Bring out your handkerchief. Who? We're about to praise God in an usual way. Who? is not wrong. But we can't do it here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not here. Are you getting what I'm saying? Go and do it on YouTube and dance at home. <laughs> not here. We have a work to do. Hallelujah. The, so the, set, the first set of people we deserve genuine growth in Christ and we have to teach them everything. Many of you that I met, all of you had <laughs> all of you had different backgrounds. I had to practically start again. Oh yeah, this is what you should do. Oh yeah, this is what you should do. Oh yeah, this is what you should do. And that is how it should be. So if you have a disciple that you are just teaching everything to, that the person that didn't lose it, They've not even finished the scripture. They've quoted it for you. It's just, 
<laughs> it's good though. It makes the work faster. But they must be willing to learn. If they are not willing to learn, then there's a red flag. Does that make sense? It's not bad that they know the Bible. Mm -mm. The only difference is they must be willing. They must come like a child and be willing to learn. Once they are not willing to learn, you know what you should just do? Let me tell you. So that first set of people, remember I told you, they are genuine people. They, they need salvation. Those type of people, when Jesus come, they can easily go to hellfire or if they die. But it's like oh, those set of people, they are already saved. That's one thing you must know. So if Jesus comes today, they are going, they will still have the eternal life. So our major priority must be on those ones who don't even know anything first. And I know it's the toughest and the most challenging. But let me tell you, many of you were like that. Many of you were like that. The closest person that was not all, um, all like that was Ey. The only closest person that was not... I know the day you spoke in tongues now. <laughs> you were confused. <laughs> the only person that seemed to not understand, that seemed to at least have some inclination of at least even what I was teaching was Ey. Even though she was very unserious. Very, very unserious. She'll be using me to sleep in service and be using me to press laptop. The very unserious, but she knew the gospel. And that's because my pastor friend was teaching her already. And I didn't know. If I had known, I would have left her alone. While I swear to God. Maybe God wanted me not to know. Do you get it? In fact, no. In fact, she was the one that even introduced me to the pastor friend, so I never knew before. So I was already teaching. Then she would now go back and the pastor would say, who is teaching you what I'm teaching? So that's how me and the pastor friend became friends. And we are friends today. I'm trusting that next year, maybe we minister for us in our workers' convention. You know? So, but almost all of you did not even know how to open Bible. Many of you bring people everywhere and say, open the scripture, open it, open it. It's good. There's no, they will learn it with time. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's with time. Some people don't know how to open it. Don't worry. Be patient. They will not always be like that. Look at most of you now. You can quote scripture. You can teach. You can heal the sick. Wait. Could you heal the sick before I, before I met you? Could you have given prophecy and today now you say, I just see you. You don't be giving you accurate word of knowledge. But it's because you were taught. So that person too will grow through that motions. I look at Bro Godwin yesterday night, he was leading prayer. I remember when he first came, he used to run the wheel. He used to come, that time we used to leave pray, opening prayer used to be one hour. He has already now marked the time. He will come in five minutes to end. <laughs> Lie that that's not what he used to do. <laughs> I, I, he just, so when it's when we say, alright, let's lift our hands and let's bless God, that's when he will just be entering. <laughs> Now he's now leading prayer. You see, but you, you see that people are not always the way they are. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the last set of people, those last two groups, <laughs> if you are looking for money quickly as a pastor, those last two groups, or you are looking to blow fast, you don't want to, I, I used to tell you, I know what to do to get church members. 
Uh, if you are looking for quick blowing, that last set of people are the first people to, to, to get. You know, if you want to do a meeting in this city, I know what to do. I'll just bring a musician. Every music, everybody knows. Attract them to this church. Everybody will start coming. And let me tell you what I will do. I will now do power. I will start calling name. Phone number, date of birth. The next service will be, I'll just say miracles and wonder night with worship. Bring a musician. All I, all I will just do, I won't preach. No, no, no. I'll just come on the baby. There's somebody, your name is this. Spirit, I'll just be picking it. There's somebody, your name is this. Your, your phone number is this. Your address is this. Come. There's somebody, you are sick. Stand up on that wheelchair now. Boom. That's what I'll just do. You won't tell me that everybody will not come. They will come, but they are not well fed. They will not be putting you under pressure to perform every Sunday. <laughs> that you will tell me, God, God, if you not show me a case, <laughs> I will close down my church. But I don't want to be under pressure. Just teach God's word and go. Are you getting what I'm saying? Mm. So that last set of people, those last two people, all you will just do for them, you won't go around persuading them about church membership. That, ah, come to my own church. Come to my own. Mm -mm. You can give them a summer or letter to the church's Christian material and tell them, stay with your church. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will make them love their own local church. Our own work is not to steal people's church members. Let them be the one to be persuaded themselves to say, okay, I will leave my church. But don't do it with your own mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let them be the one persuaded by themselves and say, oh, okay, I think my time in this, my own church is up. I've been praying, I've been looking for a church, and you have helped me out. Let me follow you. But don't use your own mouth to say, ah, leave your church now, come to my own service. Mm, don't do that. Don't do that to anybody. What they, even if they are not preaching the right thing, leave everybody alone. As far as they are in the church, don't worry. Leave them alone. All you can just do is get them a message. Just let them be listening to us on social media. Are you, that's why we are on social media. Just give them SoundCloud. Be here, as they keep hearing us and the conviction start coming and say, ah, and they go to their church and say, ah, okay, the things they are doing here is no, ah. Then they will tell you, ah, when is your own service? So, are you getting what I'm saying? But you don't use your mouth to say, leave your church and follow me. Mm -mm, don't do that. You are not, that's stealing member. Can I take you to call it sheep, sheep thief? <laughs> don't be a sheep thief. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? What those type of people need is stability. All that is why our social media is there. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is why we have SoundCloud for them. Let them be hearing us on SoundCloud. They can be getting, they can, you, they can be calling them and say, did you listen? Mm -hmm. But don't overpour your heart on those type of people. Are you getting what I'm saying? So as they keep listening, as they keep listening and keep studying, they will be the one to say by themselves and say, okay, Come, I'm, I'm coming to your service. Can you invite those type of people to special meeting? Why not? Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay. But on Sunday service, when you are finished with service, did you go to your church? Hope you learned something. Good. Does that make sense? Don't pressure those people to say, oh, I will start teaching you the gospel. Okay, when are you free? 
All they need is stability. If not, they will come and cause problem for you. And many of those people do eventually stay at the end of it. Those are the type of people that they would be offended and they will still leave. When you see somebody who is already angry with his own church, I've met people like that. I used to stay away. Because I will still offend you. Even It is me that will offend you. So I just quickly teach them how to walk in love quickly. I don't use... A lot of people capitalize on that kind of weakness and bring them. I have too much experience. <laughs> I'll just teach them how to walk in love, forgiveness, forgive your pastor, forgive your church. There is no people we mix together that we know how to offend one another. So I will tell the person, if you want to come here, I will be the one to offend you. And intentionally, I will offend the person. And 90%, many of them will leave. Intentionally. Maybe their second week, I will start offend, I will just start stepping on the person's too. I know what to, I know how to instigate it. Just so that the person can let me quickly see. Are you getting, don't capitalize on the person who's already angry with his father. Just teach the person how to walk in love. Teach the person, go and listen to this sermon. You must love your church. You must love your member. Okay. That is our social media for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Who are the people you will focus on? The first set of people. The first two set of people. They need, and those type of people, they don't have where they are going already. Are you getting what I'm saying? I know this is difficult. I, well, even me as I'm teaching it, uh, even me as I was studying this and I was writing this, I know uh, this is tough. I know it. Because many of us like that last set of people, those last two set of people. Who they have children, they have Bible, they can speak in tongues, they, it's easier. You just say prospect. And the person is prospect. You don't see them on your own Sunday service. They ask where else they are. That's not prospect too. That's not your new convert too. That person already has church. You ask the person, where do you go on Sunday? The person to, just all you just need to do with the person is. Even if the person does not go every time, just give the person letters to the church. Just say, Tell the person to be listening to us or Saka. Make the person go back to his own church. But you know the kind of people you will bring to our own service. I know it doesn't look well that somebody that doesn't even know how opening prayer looks like, person will not come out. Don't worry. It's with time. They will always be like that. Many of you, when I met you, you couldn't speak in tongues now. Are you getting what I'm saying? Many of you, you couldn't speak in tongues. Many of you spoke in tongues in Supernatural Community Church. Or before Supernatural Community Church, through me. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now you cannot hear the sick. You cannot prophesy. You cannot do so many things. That same person will be able to do it one day. That way, we will raise good people. Don't let's contribute to the problem that is already happening in the body of Christ. And making supernatural commissions a dungeon of, of um, angry, people, angry church folks. Who are angry with their church or the doctrine that their pastor is here and say, Wow, uh -uh, you, are speaking, you are speaking my mind. I don't want to speak your mind. I want to speak the Bible. So that you will not, and me, I know how to, I know how to deal with people very well. You're not going to say, You're not going to say, I'm speaking your mind. That's the day I will not speak your mind. I will not turn the entire sermon to you. I'm just joking. I can't turn this Bible to anybody. But I'm just, do you get what I'm saying? That last set of people are the sweetest. Even me, I like it. Ah! Ah! 
I like it. Do you think I don't face temptation sometimes? Oh. What we cost, what we cost me is $20,000. I, I know the budget. We just use upstairs, bring a musician, put on orarium, one night, just one night. Just tell me that if I invite Tasha Cops to this place, this place will not be few. Broke Americans and and I will, when she's singing, I'll tell her, give me a second. Just give me one hour as she's on the pulpit. Miracles night. Come and be healed. I have the power. <laughs> I know. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Oh yeah, there's somebody, your name is this. I see your phone number, your phone number is 81, this, 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 this. Your mother's name is this. Come. You want to tell me that the old Rochester will not pack out here? You think I don't face that temptation? That's why you should be praying for me. I do. <laughs> Pray. I'm not, I won't lie to you. I do. I wait, I, sometimes I just sit there in the morning and say, ah. <laughs> oh. All that will just cost me is just this. Oh. Don't tell me that if I invite uh, Travis Green. Oh, I, I, I know what to do. If I want African musician, just let me be, bring Matanebasi. Oh. Or if I want to get a certain way of Victoria Renzi. Or Jometu, Ghanaian musician. I don't bring all of them. Just bring all of them. But you know what? You know what we will do? We contribute to a problem. Do you know what we will do? We contribute to an end. Because people, let me tell you what people like. People already like things that can tickle their fantasies. So everybody will leave their churches and all the labor of their pastor and come to your own new church because... And that is... And let me tell you, there's one church, there's something I heard when I was much younger. Somebody said, uh -uh, when another new church opens, it shows that other churches must be ready to get... <laughs> we're ready to forfeit their members for the new church. I said, ah, that's so on. I heard that when I was much younger. See, when a new church opens, it shows other churches will be able to forfeit their members for the new one. I mean, so that means we are all recycling believers. That is, a, that is what it is in our church world today. You don't like this show, you go to another. So we are not now reaching the world. We are just reaching ourselves, recycling believers. No, that's not, that's not supernatural community church. And that's not how we started. Hallelujah. I can tell you 80% of all the people we have in our church today, by God's grace and by our labor, we've been able to train and change their lives. Many of them were never like that before. Hallelujah. And that is how it will keep being. Amen. I like the, set, the last two set of people. But that's why we have social media. Let them be there. They can be in their church, but let them be there. Does that make sense? All you just need to do is take them back to their church. Let them be stable there. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, guys? Ah. It's, sweet, it's sweeter, to, it's, it's sweeter to, to have everything whole, you know, have everybody do everything. Just like this keyboard now. Some of you remember that Tuesday service. A couple just walked inside and said, God said they should give us keyboard. You know, that's how God does his thing. And we, we have not seen them again. 
They came for his, that our, one of our glory nights. I think maybe they, they got healed or something like that. And the Tuesday service they came and they just said, God said they should give us this keyboard. And we've not seen. And that's because they have their church. So that means probably God just used us to heal them. And they gave us a keyboard and they disappeared. We've not seen them again. Well, that's how God does his own thing. And you know why we did not pursue them? You have your church. I will pursue people who don't have churches than people who have churches. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's painful. It's painful. It's not too nice. I'm sure you know. I'm sure you, this thing I'm saying, I'm sure some of you are wondering, ah, Pastor, why did you have to teach this? You should have just left us alone. My disciple is, you say you have a disciple. The disciple, the disciple called another person his own pastor. <laughs> and that's your disciple. <laughs> the person is going through a problem. The person does not talk to me. The person talks to another pastor. That can't be your, that's not a member of the national community church now. Does that make sense? We are just, it's not like we are recycling members. If it's whatever, you will be here, we will see you. Does that make sense? We will see you. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, we now know what we are doing. And this is just, I've not even started. This is just a teaser. We just opened this training. Are you getting what I'm saying? It shows that we have work to do. Who is around us? Where are we going? The kind of men we have to raise. So, now look at another set of people. Can they, look at another thing we are faced with now in this city. Can there be other people now who left their cities and moved to Rochester and don't yet have a church in Rochester? Can that be people you can reach? Yes. Does that make sense? Because, I mean, they have to at least be in the local church. They've left their cities now. Does that make sense? That's not a problem. But so that is already committed somewhere. Is even a worker in his own church. You now say he's your disciple. Uh, that's, that's, that's thief. That's sheep thief. Is already a worker in his own church. The church, he has responsibility. The person has responsibility in his own church. You say he's, he's your disciple. How? No, now. Maybe the person is part of people leading open prayer in his own church. You know, I say that person, that person, no, let just make, just teach the person to be committed. Even the person does not go to church every Sunday. All the person just needs is making him understand that he should be committed. Can he listen to us? That is why we're on social media so that people can listen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let him not be the one to say, ah, I'm done, no, with my own place. But you never use your mouth to tell him, can you invite him for a special meeting? Fine. But you never use your mouth to tell him, follow me on a Sunday service. Ah, don't you have somewhere he's going? Am I making sense? We don't, let's so that we can know who is truly saved, who needs help. You know, me, let me tell you. I, I don't deceive myself. And I always tell you, don't deceive yourself. Let's know. Let's have a church and we can know these are the people we are praying for to be stable. These are the people we are trusting God for their spiritual goal. These are the people that don't have money. These are the people that we have to teach them how to manage their finances. 
what to do with their finances. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. These are people who have to teach and say, okay, go back to school. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that we can know. So that way, more lives are being changed than recycling life that is already changed. So are you seeing the kind of responsibility that is at our end? Are we seeing it, guys? Okay. So, as I close now, look at Paul. Paul said, when he came to Fort Corinth, he laid the foundation. You know, that's why he could tell the Church of Corinth. The Church of Corinth, what's the problem with the Church of Corinth? They have multiple influence. They had a lot of churches in Corinth. It was a cosmopolitan world. But Paul could boldly say and write something and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because he, he labored over their lives. Are you seeing that? That's why he said that statement. He could boldly, because ah, he's one just say, ah. that's why he, he wrote by himself, I have fed you with meat. I have taught you these things. Do you get it? So that is labor. As much as it's not sweet, we just want to get it. I told you, that's why you should always pray for your pastor. There's a thing I'm going to do this before the end of this year. Pray for us. Pray for your... I'm only, me too, I'm also tempted. You think I'm happy that there are empty chairs? No, because I, it's like saying you know what to do. You have the power. If it is the money, the money will come up to $20,000. is cheap. The money will come out. But we have not so learned that in Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ah. And where are you rushing to anyway? And you know the funny thing is, you say that you, you shall be shouting, you are the biggest, you are the, you'll be comparing yourself, you'll not be doing Instagram video. For what gain? You know, those are the thoughts that make so those kind of things come to pass. I had to play down the way I see things on social media, personally. As a pastor, I told you something when I was teaching following gospel for your life. You will never find me do something. All those things that they will video a pastor and he will be, he will be walking on red carpet and they will be videoing him as his opening car. I will never do it. It's in my own personal commitment. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's my own personal commitment. I've watched it too much that I almost wanted to start doing it and I'm like, ah, to what gain? Who am I trying to impress? It's my own personal commitment. I will never do that kind of thing. The day you see me do it, quickly call me to order. And I'm saying this so that I won't do it. Quickly call me to order. Who am I trying to impress? Am I using the people that God has called me to labor over their lives as an influence for myself? You know that's what people now do in ministry. The number of people they have in their churches is now the more influence and the... I'm not a big man. No, for who? It's the people that God has raised you over now. It's not for... Ministry is very conservative. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Ah, so all those people with you, they not put one background music. So you two will be walking. Red carpet. I watch those videos so much that... Ah, I don't know, this is not me. <laughs> Never. They're walking, carpet, they will carry you, carry your Bible, say hallelujah, amen. Uh, mm -mm. It's not wrong, go. People do it, but it's not wrong, but it's my own personal consecration. Jesus trained teenagers. And who are Jesus' disciples? According to history, Jesus' disciples were in their 12, 14, 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, teenagers. And Jesus trained them for three years. And after three years, he could hand over the world to them. You don't understand? 
the world. He told them, go to the world. And 12 guys handed the, 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 the ministry of the gospel to. And because of 12 people, they reached us today. Wow, what an impact. Because of 12 people that Jesus labored over, there is supernatural community church today. That means they did not joke. They've learned the gospel. Did they make mistakes? Ah, you know, there was a time that even some people came to report to Jesus and say, Master, why couldn't your disciple cast out these devils? So they will learn their correction. Are you seeing it? Ah. So, evangelism is not a period of our church. It is every time. So and we are always reaching everybody. So like I said, look at Jerusalem, 70,000 people, 3,000 people got saved in one day. It was enough for the church to take notice of them. Till, so the kind of influence we must trust God for is the kind of influence that when we are having supernatural camp meeting, just like, just like what I saw in Andrew Womack ministry, in the next couple of years, there will be no hotel that can accommodate everybody again. Everybody will have to be going to Syracuse and Buffalo's to get an hotel. How about that? So that means we have work to do in preaching, reaching, and we must never be comfortable with one number. We must never be comfortable with a certain sect of people. We must never be comfortable to see an empty chair because that's a cost, right? We said it's a cost, but we are not cost. We are blessed, right? So that means we are a growing church. And how does that happen? It happens via evangelism. So that means I must know what I am saying in evangelism. So that means the kind of conversation that we have in evangelism can easily make me know the kind of cat. Do you notice that I've been able to help your work now? When you have a conversation with people in evangelism, you can easily know which category they fall into, right? And let me tell you, everybody will fall into one of the four categories. And I'm still going to give you more categories as we progress in this series. But I can tell you almost 89% that everybody you reach will fall into one of the four categories. So we have work to do, amen? And we are a growing church. Say we are a growing church. We are reaching the nations of the world. We are lighting up the dark places. So we are a growing church. And we must never stop reaching people. We must never stop telling people about the gospel. Never stop changing lives, transforming lives. Does that make sense? Uh, so is, what am I teaching us? Am I teaching us also to grow our church? Why not? Why not? Am I also teaching us to help other believers? Why not? Does it, are you seeing the distinction? Now, that does not mean you cannot invite people to church. Oh. See, don't go and hear what I did not say. <laughs> I'm not saying don't invite people to church, but you are not seeing what to do better. Does that make sense? Before you go and say, Pastor, you are the one that say we should not. Hmm. I did not say that too, but I'm only helping you to see the kind of responsibilities and where to distinguish the kind of people we have. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Are we blessed? Sure. I want to take questions. Amen.